you are new, feel no pressure to give at this time. This is something our church family does as an act of worship, worshiping with our whole lives. Uh, also, if you are new, I would love for you to fill out a connect card because we want to connect with you. If you can give us some information, we'd love to follow up with you and uh, show you how you can get plugged in here at Red Hills Church. And uh, yeah, so take it to the info table, by the way, and we have a little gift for you. Today is a big day. Today is the all-church block party, friends. That is why I am in shorts today. I am ready for the heat. Um, so please come back at 11. We've got lots of burgers and hot dogs that will not get eaten without your help. And so please come back. Uh, we have baptisms that are happening. We have, uh, I think the last count was 18 people getting baptized, which is incredible. So please come and celebrate with us. Uh, there's also going to be like bounce houses and games and stuff for the kids to do. So whole family, come one, come all. Is that a pirate thing? If it is, never mind. Um, also, our men's outdoor event is happening August 17th through the 19th. If you are a man and you want to be outdoors, uh, this is the, the thing for you. Um, today's the last day to register for this, so uh, do that or you don't get to go. So it's going to be a really good time. Uh, Brett's really excited to lead this. I will be not outdoors. Um, I will be in Hawaii on the beach. Well, I will be outdoors, but uh, different kind of outdoors. You know what I'm saying. Um, so my family and I will be gone. But please, uh, if you're a guy and you want to connect with other men in our church, this is going to be a valuable time for us to do that and to get away together. So register for that. And that's the last announcement. So I'm going to invite Katie Moore up. Katie Moore is going to read our scripture for today before Brett Kimberg, Pastor Brett Kimberg, comes up and delivers our message. So Katie, here you go. Thank you. <laughs> If you guys want to turn with me today, we're going to read in Acts 20, or it will be up on the screen. We're going to start in verse 17. This is Paul, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. From Maltus, he sent a message to Ephesus, asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly um, anything uh, publicly from house to house, as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, there we go. <laughs> and now, as a captive to the Spirit, I am, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except for that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecution are waiting for me. That's always really encouraging, right? <laughs> but I do not count my life of any value to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the, of the flock, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
to the shepherd to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come in among you and not sparing the flock. Some even from your own group will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the message of his grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands in support, myself and my companions. In all this, I have given you an example that by such work we, may, we must support the weak remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. There was much weeping among them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said, that they would not see him again. Then they brought him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie. All right, well, we get to continue on this week. My name is Brett Kinberg. If I haven't met you before, I am the Connections Pastor here at Red Hills Church. And uh, what that means is I have the opportunity and the privilege uh, to get people connected to our ministry, whether that be going through a Next Steps class, joining a group, um, or, or being a part of our dream team, the people who helped you find seats today, the people that greeted you at the doors um, if you have not connected to Red Hills Church in one of these ways, I would love to have a conversation with you after the gathering today and, and help you get connected to the life and the community of, of Red Hills Church. But today, we get to continue on in our series that we have entitled um, Our Origin Story, Journeying Through the Book of Acts. Um, Acts is a long book, if you didn't know that. Um, so we've been in this series for, for quite a while now. We started this back in May, but I want to reflect on a few things that we've learned just in the past couple weeks to catch everyone up to where we are today. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Kate came in and she talked about how when Paul went throughout this, this region of Asia... Um, he ministered to everyone, everyone that the Holy Spirit put on his heart. He ministered to them, whether it be the oppressed or the successful and the prosperous. It didn't matter who they were, what they looked like. Paul said the same message to everyone, repent and be saved. And when this happened, lives were transformed. We, we see people who were demon-possessed that are set free. We, we see people who are, are outcast from society, welcomed into a loving family. And in all of this, we see the love of God go into operation and people be added to his family. And then last week, Pastor Lane came in and, and gave us a great picture of what it looks like to be on mission no matter where we are going. Paul is in a port and he's waiting to go to Jerusalem. And while he's waiting for his ship to come and, and, and take him to his final destination, he begins entering into the community and ministering in that community. And he's able to take the words of God and minister to people exactly where they are at. And because of that, some people receive Christ. 
And this is the beauty of the message of God. That, that, that it's so simple that we can, we can put it into practice in every context that we enter into. And that's where we're going today. You see, uh, Paul, as, as, as he began to speak to these elders of the church of Ephesus, he, he brought up a few things, which I, I want to give us a little bit of framework of, of where we're going to go today before I get started. One of the questions that I'd like you to kind of ponder as we go through our message today is, how do we respond to the words of God that have been spoken over our lives? There's, there's a weight and a responsibility for leaders to inspire and to bring hope in, in, in the lives of people around them. But there's also a responsibility of leaders to guard and to protect and to warn the people that are following them. But the truth about leadership is this. As Paul speaks to these elders of the church of Ephesus, he, he's, he's communicating to them not just his message but his way of living. And the view, I, I think it's awesome that he doesn't just say, well, we'll go out and preach this message and teach this, although he does say that. But then he goes in and he begins to show them this is what it looks like to preach this message and this is what it looks like to walk this out. He not only gives them a message, but he gives them an example. And, and the truth that is hidden in this is that leadership is not just taught. Leadership is caught. When you're around people that are influential, when you're around leaders, their style of leadership begins to rub off on you, right? How many of you guys know if you've ever had a coach or, or someone, someone like that, when they, when they begin to teach, when they begin to give direction, their mannerisms can sometimes rub off on you. Um, that, that happened to me when I was in high school, and, and I'm not going to do it today, but I used to like to talk with an Irish accent because my youth pastor was Irish. And so um, his mannerisms, because I was around his teaching for so long, they rubbed off on me. And, and because of that, I, I looked a lot like my leader. But what happens when we transition into life where God calls us to different areas and different times and different seasons. Do we still look like those leaders? Do we still carry the DNA of Jesus in our life? Do we still affect the people that we come into contact on a daily basis? So as we, as we journey through the text today, I want you to look at a few things. There's there's, there's one that is Paul's message. I want you to look at the message that Paul is talking about. As we read through the scripture, you can see that woven through. The second thing is Paul's example, how he lived, and how we can take that same lifestyle and adopt it as our own. And the third is our responsibility as followers of Jesus. What do we do with this message once it has been taught to us? Do we go out and put it into practice, or do we hear it and say, good job, pastor, on to the next week, right? So today, this is, this is the challenge that I'm, I'm going to put out to you guys as we journey through this text. Now, a little bit of, of background or a little bit of context as to what is happening here. Paul has finished his, his time in Asia. What, is, what was then known as Asia Minor is now modern-day Turkey and, and some of the surrounding areas. But Paul is wrapping up his time of ministry in this region, so much so that as he's sailing, he sails past the port of Ephesus to Miletus. And, and when he gets to Miletus, he sends a runner to go back to Ephesus to go get the leaders and to bring them to him, to meet with him. 
And a lot of scholars believe that Paul was so convinced that he was done in Asia that he wouldn't even land in the port. He was just like, I'm, I'm done. Holy Spirit is moving me past this. But he knew that there was something he needed to do before he left the region. So he calls for these elders. He sends a runner that would have gone by foot. It probably would have taken him a day or two to get down to Ephesians and then grab the guys from Ephesians. They got to pack up all their gear. They got to come back. So we're looking at four to five days where Paul is sitting in this port considering how he is going to address these leaders for the last time. How am I going to empower these people before I leave? Knowing that I'm not going to see them again, what, what is important for me to say? I'm sure there was a lot of prayer in these days leading up to this meeting with these elders. And so Paul is considering, God, what do I need to communicate to them? The first thing that he says, Paul's message, right? He, he begins to tell them that from the day I landed in Asia until now, I have not stopped preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have, I have not stopped telling you that we are to repent we are to turn and have faith in Jesus. And he said it doesn't matter if they're Jew or if they're Greek, if they're part of God's chosen people or the rest of the world. It doesn't matter what context they're coming from. The message is still the same. Repent and turn to Jesus. Have faith in Jesus in what he can do in your life. And as he continues through this, he said, I never withheld what I thought might be profitable for you. I've done everything I know how to do. I've taught every sermon. I've, I've, I've given every message that I know to give, whether it be publicly or from house to house. And I think it's important that we notice that he says from house to house because Paul was not just the leader that showed up on Sunday, gave a great message, and then went and lived his own life every other day of the week. Paul lived the message that he taught. So much so that every day he would gather with these people. He would go have dinner at their house and he would continue to talk about the message of Jesus. And this is part of this lifestyle that we have to look at and we have to acknowledge because what Paul inevitably was telling these leaders when he said, and now I let you know that all of you of whom I have taught the kingdom of God to, you're not gonna see me again. And I'm sure in that moment they were very sad. In fact, at the end of the passage, it says that they wept most of all because of this statement. Why? Because what they realized is what their leader was telling them was this. I've done everything I know to do. I've taught you everything I have to teach. Now it's your job to go do it. And, and as he looks at these people, he says, I've, I've, I've not withheld anything from you. But I've come and I've given you this message. Now I need you to go shepherd God's people that he has given to you. And this is what we look at in our own life. How do we steward the people that God has put in our sphere of influence? Because everyone in this room, we all, we all have influence. We all have an opportunity to impact lives that we come in contact with. Whether it be our neighbors, our family, our coworkers, our classmates, you, you, you put a name on it, you have influence in somebody's life. Even if you stay home and, you're, and, and, and you don't prefer to go out into public, even if you are a hyper introvert, guess what? Somebody still has relationship with you. And out of that relationship comes influence. 
when they trust you, when you're the person that they call when they need something, that means you have influence. And so what Paul is saying is, in this context, the people that the Holy Spirit has put in your charge recognize that Jesus bought them with his blood. As we journey through this this text, it, it becomes very, very serious. The charge that Paul is telling them is, is this, now that you have been taught, you must do. Because if you fail to put the word to work by doing something with it, then it will be stolen. And, and as, as any, any good father or leader would tell you, they don't want to see the worst happen in your life. They're giving you a warning because they, look, they are looking for your best. They're looking for God's plan and his purpose to come alive in you, not to just wither away. And so he says, go and do it. Do something with the word that you have received. I think what this means for us is, what do we do with the word that we have? And maybe you are an introvert. Maybe you are somebody that you're like, man, I, I just don't easily make new friends. I don't, I don't go out. I, I think Lane and I have, have had conversations about how, you know, you get in a big crowd of people and it's like, I'm, I'm freaking out. I, I don't like being around all of these people. And so, which, you know, and then God makes him a pastor, of course. Um, and so, in, in the same way, we all have these moments where we walk into a room and we don't feel connected to anyone in the room. And we go, God, how, how am I supposed to have influence in the lives of these people when I don't feel connected to them? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we've got something for you. It's called the dream team. Yeah, you laugh, but this is the truth about the word of God is that when we go and we put our hand to the work of God, then God brings people across our path. As you're standing at the door, as you're greeting somebody who walks in, as you're serving coffee, guess what? People begin to know your face. They begin to know who you are. They begin to ask you questions. Well, like, I didn't see you last week. Is everything okay? And now you, you move from a place of, of maybe feeling like you don't have influence, maybe feeling like you don't have those connections in people's lives to now saying, you know what, yeah, I was gone last week and I was with family and it, everything's good, but thank you for asking. But in all of these things, we have an opportunity to create connections that allow God to influence their lives for the better, Right? As, as he's talking to these leaders, he's asking them to be a reflection of who Jesus is. I think as, as, as we look at the church of Ephesus, we have to acknowledge that there was a letter written several years after this, this time that Paul has been with them. And, and as this letter is written to the church in Ephesus, it's Ephesians in your Bible if you want to go look it up. This, this, this letter became a book of the Bible, and we can read through this letter that encourages the people of Ephesus to continue building relationship, how they relate to one another, how they submit to one another, how they look out for one another as God's family and as the church. But as we get to the end of the book of Ephesians, we come to chapter 5 or, or close to the end, second to last chapter. And we see in Ephesians 5 this beautiful picture of community within the context of a marriage. We see a husband and a wife, and, and we see this, this, this language that's wrapped around this. And how, how many of you guys in this room are married? Hands up. Okay. Awesome. 
Any, anybody want to be married? Anybody who's not that wants to be married someday, right? Right? Okay. Well, we've got a couple hands. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the rest of you, I, I encourage you with God's word. Being single is a calling. It's true. Um, okay, so with all of this, we see this beautiful picture of a marriage. We see, we see the writer writing this language. And as we get towards the end of the text in Ephesians 5, he says something interesting. He actually quotes Genesis and he says, this, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And after this statement, after quoting Genesis and, and giving this beautiful picture of what marriage is supposed to be, he says, now this is a divine mystery, but I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Jesus and his church. Did you know that we are not just called the body of Christ? We're not just called the church. We are called the bride of Christ. And as we live into this identity of who God made us and who he called us to be, we see this beautiful picture of the same union of a husband and wife. This is the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. And as, as Paul is going and he's teaching these men in, in, in this leadership context, he's saying, you need to remember that this is the message that Jesus is our Savior. But Jesus didn't just save us. He wants to have relationship with us. This is the good news. The good news is not just that we were saved for an eternity. The good news is, is we can have relationship with Jesus here on this earth in our own lives every day. When I wake up and I, I see my wife and we have conversation Maybe it's a day off and we get to sleep in a little bit and we, you know, we, we, we get to talk about life and we get to have that relationship that goes beyond just a marriage. It goes into friendship. It goes into personal connection. It goes into everything that a marriage is supposed to be. Or at least we're getting there. I think we all have work to do, right? But when I, I got to do a wedding this last weekend, and, and in the wedding ceremony, I always bring up the wedding band, right? Because there is the exchanging of rings in most weddings. I, I haven't done one yet that they didn't. So um, I, at this wedding last week, I, I remember as, as I'm talking to the couple, and I've gotten to do guidance with them. We've gotten to do counseling. We pull the rings out, and I ask the best man, can I have the rings, please? And he hands them to me. I begin to talk about the wedding ring and what it symbolizes. You see, the wedding ring symbolizes the fact that I am no longer just making decisions about my own life. This wedding ring represents an unending circle that, that is our unending and unwavering fidelity to one another. What does that mean? That means before I make a decision... I recognize that that decision doesn't just represent or affect me. It now affects my wife. And it affects my son. And my family is affected by every decision I make. What if we as believers could take that same idea and recognize that every decision we make represents Christ? Every conversation that we have represents his goodness, his love, his compassion. If we allowed that kind of thinking to, to make its way into our life, 
then we would, we would start looking like the early church in Acts, where people are added to our number daily. Why? Because that relationship would spark something on the inside of them. Guess what? You don't have to do the work of, of getting them to salvation. That's the Holy Spirit's work. All you have to do is have a conversation and love someone genuinely in conversation. You don't have to know the sinner's prayer, although if you did, it would be helpful. But, uh, but, but when, when you lead somebody in conversation, in grace, the Holy Spirit begins giving you those words to say. I've, I've, I've had these conversations with people before where as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, wow, that's good. Man, I should write that down. That, that, that was a really good comment. It didn't come from me. That came from Holy Spirit. He starts bringing the word of God and putting it in front of me. But I think in, in our lives, as, as we look at this relationship of, of our marriage to Christ, sometimes we get it confused. Because our world also has a picture of marriage, right? In our culture, we have this picture of marriage, and sometimes we fall into that. What's in it for me? Right? And, and, and in our world, there is this idea of marriage that we can have a prenuptial agreement. We can protect all of our rights. And if it doesn't work out for irreconcilable differences, we can just separate. But Christ never intended the marriage ceremony to be a contract. He meant it to be covenant. And covenant is only broken by the shedding of blood. That's why we say these vows, until death do us part, right? And so maybe the world has a skewed view, but sometimes religion has a skewed view of marriage too. Sometimes when we, we enter into religious systems, we see this, this power play for who is the boss, right? And, 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 and sometimes people even use the scriptures in Ephesians to show this dominance culture of, oh, well, you have to submit to me because I'm the, the husband. And it's not loving, it's not kind, because Jesus showed us the picture of what marriage truly should be. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. You see, Jesus enters into a new covenant with us by the shedding of his blood. In fact, he said, I am now fulfilling the old covenant, which was the Old Testament, all of the rules and regulations. I'm going to fulfill those, and I'm going to ask you a question. Just like we see in the wedding ceremony. You know, you get to that moment, right? And, and do you promise to... Until death do you part, and then you wait like on pins and needles to hear the other person say, I do, right? <laughs> it's that I do moment that, you know, they always dramatize in movies of like, no, I don't, I don't. You know, I got here, we planned for eight months, we did all of the work, and we got here, but you know what? I'm changing my mind, right? Because that's, that's, that's how we look at marriage sometimes, right? Oh, I, I got here, I, but you know what? Now that I see how much work it's going to be, I'm changing my mind. But Jesus didn't change his mind. He went through all of the work. He went through all of the suffering. He allowed his body to be broken and he allowed his blood to be spilled because he, as the husband, first said, I do. Not my will, God, but yours be done. I do. 
For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I do. He looked at everyone in this room and he said, I do. I love you so much that I do. And now he's asking us in return to answer the same question. Will you love and honor and respect what God is asking you to do from this day forward? If so, answer, I do. And this is what Paul is asking of these leaders. He's saying, God brought this congregation to you by the power of his Holy Spirit. He paid for it with his own blood. And as their leader, will you say, I do, to Jesus' plan for them? As you look at your family, as you look at your neighbors, as you look at your community that surrounds you, will you take up the call and say, I do? Enter into relationship and share the gospel of the good news. Because what would it look like if we as a people, if, if, if we would actually take our leader's example to walk in what Christ has called them to and actually begin to do that with our friends and our family? If we took the example of Jesus and Paul and all of the people that we read about in our story, what if we allowed our life to look like theirs and say, I do, not my will, but yours be done? So we're going to take, take a few minutes in the room today, and I want you to just reflect. Because some of you guys who've, who've walked into this room, maybe you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, so you're like, wedding ceremony, what? Bride of Christ? I have no idea what you're talking about. But if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, if you feel this, this knot in the pit of your stomach and you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. See, the truth of God's kingdom is this, that if you acknowledge that what Jesus did is enough in your life, then you shall be saved. If you pray this prayer with faith, recognizing, and see, see, Paul said, this is the message. It's simple. Repent of your sin. Recognize that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And after repenting of our sin, allow what Jesus did to be enough. When you pray this prayer, when you say, Jesus, I recognize that I have sinned and I receive your blood. I receive what you did on the cross Please be my Savior. And today I call you my Lord. You pray that prayer in faith, and that is the turning point in your life. That is the day of new beginnings. And if you're in this room and you're like, hey, I've said that prayer. Thank you, Pastor, for, for teaching me that. Um, but, but in that, if you, if you are in this room and maybe you're far away, maybe you just haven't been walking the lifestyle, there is no condemnation. In this place, I want you to hear that. I am not trying to, to say, you know, you need to get to work. You've, you've done a horrible job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is today is a day of new beginnings where we can all come to the table. We can all receive what Jesus did and say, it's enough for me. But now, who am I going to share this with? Who am I going to connect with? God, who have you put in my path? to pray with. 
So I'm going to give us a few minutes to reflect. We'll give, we'll give three minutes of silence. During this three minutes of silence, I want you to go ahead and take the communion elements. This, was, this bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us so that we could experience peace in our life. Everything that is broken being made right and mended. It's what his body was broken for. And this represents the blood of his new covenant. When he fulfilled all of the old and he said, this is my blood. It's part of the new covenant. Today I'm going to share it with you. My friends, my community, my people. I share it with you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take a moment to reflect.
this morning as we've reflected, as we've thought about who can we share this message with. I was, I was just inspired as, as I was listening. See, we all, or most of us, have one of these. It's got a contacts list in it. And if you haven't cleared out your contacts in years like I haven't, I scroll through these, these names, and I look at all of the people that I've come in contact with. I ask myself this question, God, is there someone on that list that I haven't talked to in years that I need to reach out to? Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's coffee. Do I need to reach out to somebody? Is somebody hurting? Whether because they are a believer and they need a friend, they need a family member to wrap their arms around them. Or maybe they're not a believer. Maybe you know this individual and you, you're like, man, I, they, they were far from God. Maybe he's done something in their life. Maybe he hasn't. But I want to reach out and I want to connect with this person. I encourage each and every one of you today, go look through your contacts. Find someone you haven't talked to. Use wisdom. And ask God to show you somebody that you need to connect with. Let's pray as we close out. Father, thank you so much for this word. God, I pray, my, my hope today is that there would be no condemnation, there would be no spirit of heaviness on your people, but Father, we would feel a burden, the kind of burden that comes from you that you said is light and it's easy because it's just calling and seeing somebody the way that you see them as your image bearer on this earth. God, would we look at those people we come in contact with and recognize that you've given us influence. And Father, we don't have to do the work. We allow the Holy Spirit to move in our life, to prompt us in those conversations so that we could reach out and maybe it's not even sharing the gospel. Maybe it's just reconnecting with somebody and showing them genuine, true, and honest love. God, would you help us see people the way that you see them and love people the way that you did, so much so that you gave yourself for them. Father, we thank you for this word that has come to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're so glad that you are all able to join us this morning. Um, we're excited for our uh, block party that's happening again at 11. Just a quick announcement before you go. Uh, we're going to be setting some stuff out here on 3rd Street. And so if you're parked out here by the church, um, we're just going to ask you if you're staying for setup. Um, thank you for doing that, by the way. Go ahead and move your car first, and then you can help us set up. That way we can get that cleared out and get some cones out there. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. Thank you.